everybody. Welcome back to another fantastic edition of Heart in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast, where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm joined again by my co-host, Michael. And today we'll be going over a fantastic news cycle of, of fantastic NBA news. Uh, and additionally, we are going to finally dive into our team previews and team rankings for the upcoming NBA season, getting it out before most major news websites do. So let's hop right into it. First up on the ticket, we've got news that I wanted to break a couple days ago, but I'm glad I didn't. So the Minnesota Timberwolves are, of course, on uh, on this hiring spree the past couple days of trying to reunite Luol Deng, Joakim Noah, Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler... All those guys, and essentially making the uh, Tibisota Timberwolves, uh, just like their Chicago days of no less than like three years ago. Uh, unfortunately, in in most pressing uh, media and recent developments, Jimmy Butler has requested a trade out of this uh, scenario. Yeah, uh, you know, in this hectic off season. The, the Timberwolves never really figured out the Towns-Butler dynamic. There's a lot of conflict going on there, and maybe reuniting these Bulls together wasn't enough to keep Butler. And he has uh, put out three teams he'd like to go to. He'd like to go to the Clippers, the Nets, and the Knicks. And according to the Waj Bombs themselves, the Clippers are his favorite right now. Uh, however... Don't let this uh, concern you as course of uh, Kawhi Leonard didn't go where he wanted to go and neither did Isaiah Thomas or DeMar DeRozan. So uh, as always, the, his fate is in the hands of a front office somewhere, but we can at least uh, ponder what might be going on here. So Michael, what is your take of the Jimmy Butler scenario going on right now? The timing of it seems a little weird. You know, they just brought in Luol Dang. So you would think that would kind of tip into Jimmy's favor. But then we know that there's all that locker room chemistry problems between kind of the Jimmy Butler camp, uh, the Cat camp, and the Wiggins camp. And, you know, Tibbs is the GM. He's, I don't know if he's the GM, but he's got like a kind of like a front office role along with his coaching duties. That seems, uh, you know, kind of suspicious if Butler's out because that's kind of his guy, right? He traded a, he traded a, get Jimmy Butler and then uh, for Lori Markinen and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine. So that would kind of be a bust of a trade if Jimmy left after a year. Uh, Butler's got a lot, pretty decent trade value. I think I don't think he's thirty yet. Um, obviously, he was injured last season on that knee. But he still could be the best guy or even a really good number two guy on like a championship level team. You know, this this brings up a question to me. I mean, I, I know Jimmy Butler's, I guess, top three number two guards in the league right now on both sides of the ball. This brings up a question to me in terms of his ability to sort of cope with other superstars on his team. Uh, we saw, you know, three years ago when it was him and Derrick Rose and everybody, there was a lot of drama going on between is it Rose's team, is it Butler's team? And then 
next year there was a bunch of drama going on with is it Hoiberg's team, is it Butler's team, is it Rondo's team, and then now we're seeing it over here. You know, is it you know what's going on with Cat and Wiggins and Butler? And uh, you know, it kinda starts making you wonder what his maybe he's kinda gotten a little bit of an ego going ever since he really started uh hitting his prime a couple years back. Um Maybe he's just jaded in one way or another, or maybe he just, you know, wants to go to a different place. And uh, who could blame him? I mean, LA is beautiful compared to the tundra of Minnesota. Do you think this has kind of some parallels with Carmelo and the fact that we have a guy who's obviously really talented, uh, but can't seem to kind of make it work anywhere and it's like you know Melo was on a super team in OKC and it didn't really work out because of the fit but maybe he's more willing to work with like a Chris Paul type like a guy who's kind of uh, like his generation of player right it's like Westbrook and Paul George are kind of like in that generation below like Melo like after Melo so I wonder if like Jimmy Butler like Cat is Cat and Wiggins are like a generation kind of younger than like Butler's class so, like, if he was to go to the Clippers and maybe team up with Kawhi next uh, next year, you know, those two guys are, like, about the same age. Um, obviously, you know, if the Clippers had them, I mean, my God. I mean, the, like, two-way ball on that team is insane. And it's like, you know, maybe he's looking for more of a guy who's kind of wants to work hard, but is also kind of the same generation as him, maybe. I think that's a, a fair point. I think I think it's important to also take into account um transformation of the Knicks and Brooklyn's kind of public perception to the NBA crowd. Uh it seems like you know, Brooklyn's finally got their all their picks back and a lot of their money back, so they aren't seen as the sort of uh dead zone for four years like there's actually mm-hmm. a bunch of optimism and assets there now and then the knicks of course have had a bunch of front office changes really the only thing left is james dolan and it's really just a prayer that he doesn't screw it up somehow um so i think you know you always hear players love playing in new york and it's a great place to play and live and all these other things you know i think he just wants to be a big city guy and for some reason, he doesn't want to go back to Chicago. It's a, so, on a scale of one to ten, how much tampering do you think there there has been between the Knicks and all these guys we keep hearing about? Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Katie. How much are the Knicks tampering? You know, kind of, kind of like what Magic did, right? With is the, James uh, Dolan smart enough to tamper? I don't know if he is, but Scott Perry is a pretty crafty guy. I mean, he's. He's like a KD kind of guy. I mean, a lot of what the Knicks are doing is trying to set up their front office in order to be able to get, like, Kevin Durant, right? And they've kind of hired uh, former kind of front office guys who work with Kevin Durant. Like, Scott Perry was, you know, helped, was part of the draft team that in Seattle got Kevin Durant. And then he's been part of a few other uh, squads. I think the Golden – maybe not Golden State. Maybe the Clippers – 
Um, so he's got some pretty good experience uh, recruiting kind of top tier talent, but it seems kind of weird, right? That like all of a sudden the Knicks kind of keep getting thrown back out here. And I kind of wonder if there's some conspiracy you know, Michael going yeah, on. Here. Yeah, a bit, of, a bit of a chatter going on. Does, uh... Too many players seem optimistic about it. Yeah, it almost seems like the Knicks are, are are willing to say whoever comes to us uh will be the highest paid player. Like we'll get the biggest contract in NBA history. Kind of has that kind of a vibe to it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to uh get Kevin Durant on like a, you know, some kind of crazy big contract. Now here's a here's a question that maybe feeds into that is you know, the Knicks really their best asset of course is Porzingis, but he is, of course, injured. Mm. Um, you know, who knows when he'll be ready to play. But what, where, you know, if you're the Knicks, do you you try and get Porzingis back so you're not a bottom-of-the-barrel team? Or you maybe play him to show, you know, potential trades uh, that, hey, we've got this great guy here. You know, you can play with them, or we can use them to trade for your player, or, or maybe do you do you intentionally not play Porzingis near the end of the season to increase your tanking, and then, uh, you know, potentially not injure him further or lower his stats perception at all? I mean, if you're the Knicks, what do you what do you do in that spot? Uh, I don't think they would get Porzingis back to probably about the All Star break. So by then the Knicks like season will have you know kind of come to picture right like if they're if they've only won like eighteen games by then I mean they're probably content to just keep tanking with it. Um, at the NBA like All Star Weekend they do like Team USA versus like Team World in that like uh, rookie sophomore game right? Yes. So maybe they let Porzingis go out there and that's kind of like the. Oh, see, he can still be athletic. Like he can still shoot. He can still move. You know, and use that as kind of a the spotlight. But I think he's definitely a uh, a trade asset if they need him. Um, and then likewise, I think they can build with him. Uh, he's kind of a kind of a nice, uh, flexible asset from the Knicks. Personally, I would like to see him back as a someone that would like to deal with the Knicks you know it's like all right if Porzingis is you know 95% of what he was before the injury I'm all aboard that team but if he's like you know Derrick Rose level afterwards I'm not so certain about it so yeah that's a good point uh I mean I'd kind of like to see like Porzingis you know if he does get traded like what are some likely destinations for for him? Well, uh, you know, Al Horford could be using of an upgrade. Kyrie for yeah. Porzingis. Yeah. Uh, what about what about Houston? You know, let's say by All Star break, Houston really hasn't gotten to what they were like last season. Um, you know, they're like on track to maybe make the four seed in the West, right? Like, things really aren't kind of, you know, they're fine because they're going to be, like, a four seed, but they're not really gelling well enough to win a title. Do you think they try and 
make a move to bring in Porzingis, you know, put him at that kind of four spot that Ryan Anderson basically destroyed <laughs> and see if that gives him enough of a bump. That would be interesting, but I don't, I don't see how New York gets a good trade out of that. Houston's a little bit strapped on picks right now. Yeah, another place that I could see taking a gamble on him would be uh, the Spurs. Uh, you need a Pau Gasol replacement. Yeah, you do need some athletic big men on that team. You've got a bunch of slower guys. Speaking of slower guys, uh, Tom Thibodeau himself, of course, is probably in some some hot seat coaching GMing jeopardy going on yeah, in, in Minnesota. Yeah, the season land. hasn't even started. Yeah, it's it's very rough. I mean, they were borderline playoffs last year after a, a pretty hot start from what I remember. So personally, I think the Timberwolves, you know, they're going to be either really hot coming out of the gates or super duper cold. And either way is just, is just not a good sign for, for Tibbs and Butler. Um, I think he's probably going to stay most of the season and then you know at the end of the season when butler's gone and they're not even a playoff team they'll kick him out you know after all-star break sometime yeah i mean it, it's a weird situation right you got jimmy butler cat wiggins and tibbs and it looks like at minimum two out of the four of those players are going to be gone probably by the end of the year Cat still hasn't signed any extension yet, so so we'll see. Maybe he walks first. It's kind of like a who blinks scenario. Yeah. Could you imagine if, if at the end of the day, Cat, Butler, and Tibbs are all gone, and the team is basically in the hands of Andrew Wiggins? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be something, wouldn't it? That would be... Yeah. I mean, well, the Sixers are now in the hands of Elton Brand. Yeah, who would have expected that one? I uh, honestly, wow. Like, he, you know, he was only playing two years ago. Now, last year, he was their G League GM. Um, so he's taken quite a step up on the corporate ladder, I'm sure surpassing and hopscotching over a ton of just qualified and great talent at that, that GM position. That would kind of in a hard spot though when you think about it he's got you know all these rookie deals you know this amazing sort of whirlwind of success that they've been under and a lot of personalities to manage too yeah the Sixers are like such an interesting team right because like you can kind of see them making the jump to be the best team of the east next year as well as regressing and falling out of the playoff picture entirely and yeah. like so much of it just depends on like Embiid's health, you know, what is the situation with Markel Fultz, you know, can Ben Simmons, you know, continue to grow um after you kinda hit that rookie wall in the in the in the playoffs. It's it's kind of a weird a weird job to take, so I don't know if that put a lot of people off. Also, you know, they, they didn't have a GM for this entire summer. A lot of people have kind of Falling off the Sixers bandwagon because they haven't made any good offseason trades, really. They got Wilson Chandler, of course, but they they lost a lot of those good bench players. Um, yeah, but, I mean, in general, the East got worse, right? 
Yeah, I mean, LeBron's gone, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, you Just know, nobody really. really knows the situation with Kawhi. You know, Toronto could easily kind of fall apart. I mean, you know, is I don't want to say Boston has a lock on the East, but who knows? Maybe, maybe like chemistry problems end up tearing that team apart. There's just too many guys, not enough minutes. You know what? I mean, did Indiana overachieve last year? I mean, we'll dive into that a lot of our in our team kind of uh, team previews, team rankings. But I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a way the Sixers are like one or two disasters away from making a championship run but you know they they looked pretty good last year i'm not gonna not gonna question that uh speaking of looking good last year Dwayne wade has decided to make this year his last year <laughs> it's going on a nice uh last dance retirement tour rejoining the miami heat so great great decision i think on his part and and pr part yeah, I think it's kind of weird, though, that, like, Dwayne Wade is kind of doing this, like, Kobe thing. You know, like, how Tim Duncan just kind of retired and just kind of did it, like, very low-key, and now Dirk is kind of doing the same thing of, like, I'm just going to be really quiet about it. And then Kobe was like, nah, this is my last year. I want the tour. I want, like, the fanfare. I want, like, the spotlight, right? I mean, even, like, at the end of the season when Golden State was going to break the, the regular season wins record, and it's, like, more people still cared about Kobe's last game against, like, I don't know, fucking Utah, right? It's like, it kind of has that kind of vibe to it. And it's like, I understand it for Kobe. Kobe's like a top 10 player all time. But anyway, he's not a top 10 player. I mean, he's probably a top 40 player of all time. He's obviously one of the best like slashers in the game, right? Or was in the game. But does he really deserve, like, does he really need this, this huge kind of like, you know, victory lap? I don't think... The numbers, yeah, I think there's a lot of recency bias with Dwayne Wade. You know, a lot of people say he's like top three shooting guard in the league. And maybe that's true if you're looking at just championships. And sure, he had, you know, some really great moments along the way. But these last few years, I think, have really put a wrinkle in that argument. Yeah. For basically the last five and a half years, Dwayne Wade has been on the severe decline. I mean, arguably, you could say that in 2014, he cost Miami a championship just because, I mean, his knees just couldn't take it. Like, his knees in his back. I mean... The upside is, is my Dwayne Wade Miami jersey is now popular again, so I'm going to probably try and flip that somehow, and uh, we'll see. Uh, You know, upside is, is uh, his son uh, is now playing high school ball. And there's been a couple mixtapes out already, and his son looks pretty freaking good so far. Yeah, dude, all these dudes have, like, really, like, talented kids now. Dude, I would be fucking talented if my dad was an NBA player. Are you kidding me? I mean, you say that, but it's like, how many guys... Like, you look at, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., right? Like, that guy should be a lot better than what he is. Okay, you got got a good point, you know. Like, very few, like, uh sons of athletes have been better than their dads like obviously kobe was was like a million times better than like his dad but it's marcus like, jordan i mean i guess the verdict is still out on gary payton too yeah <laughs> and uh the other guy uh 
Oh, well, I guess Steph is, I mean, Steph is clearly better than Dell. But is Seth better than Dell? Ooh. Ooh. I don't think the verdict's still out on that one. Uh, and speaking of, of uh, you know, the verdict being out, the cat is out of the bag with Space Jam 2. <laughs> it has been sort of leaked today that, that in the off-season of next year, LeBron will begin production on quite potentially the best basketball sequel of all time, Space Jam 2. Uh, and and part of that leak, of course, is uh, it's a little back-of-the-box description of the movie here. So, so, so it goes something like this. So, so Space Jam 2, the American classic, when a Rebel Alliance mission goes horribly wrong, the galaxy is faced with dire consequences. Young basketball Jedi LeBron James takes it upon himself to fulfill his destiny alongside his former mentor, the Drunus Elgaskis. However, as always, the Galactic Empire questions LeBron James' franchise loyalty. In a race against time itself, LeBron James must elude space assassins, former allies, and new enemies while trying to make another finals run in legendary time. Of course, this is a... Uh, Movie brought to you by James Cameron, sponsor of Heart in the Paint podcast for this week. We'd like to thank James Cameron for being our our Heart in the Paint sponsor and his work on Space Jam Two. So, so what are your thoughts on Space Jam Two? Have you already pre-ordered your tickets? Oh, absolutely. I what I really want to see is the breakdown on box office between this and the Uncle Drew movie, and whether or not there'll be a Shack cinematic universe. The Shaq CU could potentially rival the Marvel CU here in a couple of years. Who do you think is going to make up the, the rest of the basketball cast? Well, obviously, you got to have Mr. Ray Allen in this movie somewhere. You know, he's got to make <laughs> his return. Uh, maybe he's a, you know, the old mentor that teaches our, our young LeBron the ways with Zildurinus, you know. Ray Allen, of course, the the mentor of LeBron's shot back in those Miami days. Of course, you'd think Dwayne Wade would be in here, but I would be surprised if he wasn't for some odd reason. He's not quite quite the same caliber of talent that we're looking for in a Space Jam movie. I I would think more like, um, like a Dion Waiters might be in here instead. Yeah, you know, you know who I who I think might make kind of a a comeback and just kind of in in the culture, Birdman. I can see Birdman being in this movie. Exactly. I mean, what better way to stop space aliens than with a human alien of your own? Do you think he'll try to bring back like a like an NBA legend, like a Dr. J, coming onto the court as like a like a te- like a coach or like a. You know, the, the uh, old inspirational guy who's going to die, and then that somehow galvanizes the team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it'd be his old Miami buddy, uh, Jawan Howard, though. Get, get some <laughs> little Fab, fab Five uh, flashback sequences in there. You know, maybe they learn not to lose by a timeout. <laughs> you know what would be amazing is if they had uh, Bill Simmons just playing like as a fan. Like Bill Simmons and Spike Lee are just like fans in the game, you know. Kind of how like in uh, in the first Space Jam movie they had a uh, 
the guy who played like Newman from Seinfeld, and he was kind of this like MJ fan, you know the right, right. The guy kind of tagging along all the time. Exactly. Which one of that was like Bill Simmons and uh, Spike Lee. I bet you'd be like, uh, I bet you'd be like Michael Rappaport and um, <laughs> like Ramona Shelburne. Ah, uh, it would be Brian Windhorst. Oh, there you go, Brian Windhorst. <laughs> That's what you need. Oh boy, well, this movie is just coming together. I mean, interestingly enough, one of the pr- the producer of uh, Space Jam Two is. Uh, Ryan Coogler, who directed Black Panther, Fruitvale Station, and Creed. So at least he got a guy who's made pretty competent movies on both kind of, you know, blockbuster scale as well as like a sports movie. Exactly. Um, and yeah. and you know, all three of those had Michael B. Jordan. You got to have an MJ why cameo. In, why yeah. not just bring in it, Michael B. Jordan? Might as well make him the bad guy again too. Get him those uh, fake scales again. Make might as well make him an alien while you're at it. You know, you gotta. He's got a thing for like really athletic black dudes. Um, not that he's, you know, you know, if you're into that stuff, that's cool. But you know, it could work. Do you think they'll shoot some scenes in uh, LeBron's uh, new school in Akron? You know, that's kind of like uh, a practice gym. They'll like you know kind of hype up the the Akron school you know get some exterior shots. Absolutely, I'm hoping that there is more product placement in this movie <laughs> yeah. than there is in Creed One. There's just some like Adam Silver like uh, you know like voiceover kind of thing at the beginning. It's like it's like a like a five minute narration piece by Adam Silver. Absolutely, and then, and then it just cuts to like a pair of shorts with a Nike logo on it, and it's LeBron James. And then uh, it's like him and his kid. What if his kid makes a like his movie de- debut in this thing, right? He's like the sixth man. Oh, he's gotta like come in and you know you have this like Rudy kind of move uh, moment. Yeah, that would be cool. Get like our Bronny Junior jumps off LeBron's back and dunks it or something. Yeah, <laughs> that would be neat. Speaking of uh, jumping off points. Um, Wow, that was actually not a bad segue. I couldn't think of a Maroon 5 song, though, but Maroon 5 is uh, going to be headlining the Super Bowl this time around, and uh, I am totally not a fan of it. What are you a fan of? It's very meh, right? It's very, like, early 2000s. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess we've gotten to a point where people feel nostalgic for the early 2000s because we've had Coldplay, Justin Timberlake, and Maroon 5. And three straight Super Bowls, you know, really kind of diving hard into that white bougie kind of vein. I don't know. It's you can tell it's a league decision because if it was the players' decision, it probably would have been Rihanna or Jay Z. Nah, I think the Super Bowl is in Atlanta, so it it, it would have been Migos. Oh, Could you imagine right. have, having Migos in their hometown with like childish Gambino? But you know, like how they always have like a surprise kind of guest that shows up yeah it would have been childish gambino that would have like showed up after like the first two songs like halfway through and i mean the place would have gone crazy right just uh childish gambino's got his uh his show atlanta yeah exactly he goes and and childish gambino would have been amazing and they play the uh that that uh 
America song or whatever that was all about the news oh, a couple yeah, months ago, dude. and then we just get... up, like this is America, and then like randomly Colin Kaepernick like comes out. On yeah, it. let's just fucking do it, man. <laughs> let's get let's just let's just uh, uh, you know make this a political abortion of a Super Bowl show. I mean, at least people would care to like watch the halftime show. Oh, would, to just kind of leave it. Right? Like, Maroon Five, it, I would are, watch it. Like, yeah, Maroon Five comes in and like people are gonna be like, "All right, cool. I'm I'm just gonna peace out for a while, kind of zone out. At least it keeps you engaged." Yeah, Coldplay, Maroon Five. That's music that I fall asleep to. Yeah, I mean, I will say at least Maroon Five. I mean, the Super Bowl halftime show is only like 15, 20 minutes, so it's like five songs, maybe like six songs. And uh, I mean, Moon Five can at least play like three or four songs that can kind of keep you interested, but it, it's really weird. Like, their good stuff is like, like pre two thousand five. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan for another "She Will Be Loved." Uh, yeah, props to Adam Levine for staying relevant for all these years, though. But it's like a Keanu Reeves kind of relevant, right? Where it's like. <laughs> At this point, you've just become kind of like a, like a meme version of yourself, with like uh, Keanu making all these like John Wick movies. Yeah, yeah, I see it. I mean, at least he's you know, a thing for the ladies to look into at halftime. <laughs> you know, it'll perk them up in more than two ways. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pay attention to your largest demographic there. Not not the the forty year old white man that drinks beer and orders pizza and wings. Speaking of ordering pizza and wings, what do you call that kind of uh white sauce that you, you might put in a sandwich to moisten it up? Cum? I mean if you put it in there that's fine, but I certainly don't put cum in my sandwiches. <laughs> Well, you must be talking about mayonnaise then, <laughs> Matt. Okay, so, so the reason I, I had mayonnaise as a topic here is, uh, so I live in, in now what is Nowheresville, Nowheresville, Deep South, USA, and people like to pronounce things really weird down here. And I heard about three or four different people say mayonnaise today. It really made me wonder how the fuck you spell mayonnaise and why don't people say it the way it's spelled? Uh, like, people easily say mayo, but then they say mayonnaise, like, man-aids. <laughs> you get it? And then it's like, and then you can hear other people say it like, mayonnaise. Like, there's that clear uh, second vowel before you hit the N. I was like, huh. Like, we clearly don't, uh, don't don't like to. Uh, it's like it's like soda and pop and coke and like, you know how people pronounce things differently in different parts of the USA. It's like, huh? I never thought about that before until today around the lunch table. So are you asking if the pronunciation is cultural or the actual item is cultural? Well, we know "come" is your thing, but I'm talking about the pronunciation. I mean, it's it's just a dialectual difference, right? I mean, English is full of weird words. The word school doesn't have a K, but the CH makes that K sound. 
Right, but that's like a general like rule of English, whereas mayonnaise is like clearly no one says it the way it's spelled. And well, it's, what about uh, what about aluminum? Aluminium? I mean, that's what it's spelled. But nobody kind of says like aluminium. At everyone least says country. aluminium. Are you kidding me? That's all. That's how we say it down here all well, the time. I mean, people in the people who speak the Queen's English sure do, but a lot of you uh, American Yankees. Yeah, Lee, those are fighting words. <laughs> Can't call people Yankees anymore. It's 2018. What are you talking about? It's 2018. 2018 is allowed to identify as whatever year it wants. It can identify as the year 1776. And that identifies as the year 1855. <laughs> In uh, what year should 2018 identify so that way the Kings are a relevant team? Oh boy, probably like what 1968? <laughs> 2003? Yeah, yeah, I guess 2003, 15 years ago. And speaking of being relevant 15 years ago, let's just get hop right into these uh, team rankings that we have developed. So over the course of the past uh, couple weeks, uh, Michael and I have independently ranked all 30 NBA teams against each other in a very numerical fashion. And uh, additionally, we have sort of compared these against each other as well as the over-under wins prediction odds for each NBA team. And little did we know, we actually did a pretty good job. Um, and, and most of all of these were made before the news of the last two weeks, which hasn't changed a ton of the landscape of the NBA, but is important to note here and there. I think, uh, if anything, some of these uh, recent kind of kind of trades here at the end or rumor mill talk has actually helped my case in a little bit more than yours. Yeah, I would I would agree with that one. And so the easy way to kind of break this down is uh, really in kind of like clusters or brackets or bunches. Um, so we'll start with sort of this bottom tier of the NBA, uh, really kind of the tank, the tank factory, the tank <laughs> assembly line, as you will put it. You know, maybe they're making Shermans, maybe they're making Panzers, who knows, but they are definitely... The, the specialists in failure. Yes, the failure specialists. And... Mines will start at number 30 here with our favorite team that was relevant in 2003, Sacramento Kings. We have ranked at number 30. Uh, interesting enough, uh, we both agreed on this one, and we thought it was pretty <laughs> obvious considering, uh, you know, most of that team is 23 and under. Their backups all are pretty bad. They don't really have a small forward, um, and they're in a very loaded conference. Yeah, I mean, one of the weird things was I think last season, I think Zebo actually played like 20 minutes a game. He's probably their best player, too. And they had Vince Carter last year, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's obvious why they were ranked at the third, number 30. When your best player is 40 years old at a hard-to-fill <laughs> position... Pretty bad. Uh, interesting, though, uh, counterpoint to this is 
by the win odds, they had Atlanta as the worst team in the NBA at 23 and a half wins. Which yeah, no, no Trey Young love. Fits in our bracket, of course, but uh, that's very dependent on no Trey Young love. Uh, potentially a Kent Bazemore trade in the works down the line somewhere. And really just a handful of tank. If you're a playoff team, would you want Kent Bazemore? If you're, or if you're like a lower tier playoff team and it's, uh, you know, kind of January and you think you can make a bit of a push, you try to get Kent Bazemore? Yeah, I think it's actually pretty reasonable. Uh, remember him on those Golden State teams a couple years back? He actually was one of those rotation guys on LeBron uh, a couple years back. And, he, you know, he's a decent 3 and D kind of guy, pretty athletic. He's still relatively young. So I think he's a really good chemistry guy, too, based on all those uh, bench celebrations that were, were a thing. So I think he's likely to move. Still Atlanta, though. You know, their best player was Carmel Anthony here for all of 10 seconds. Uh <laughs> Speaking of Atlanta, our number 29 ranking, I had Atlanta and Michael had Brooklyn and our win odds had the Kings. So, uh, of course, still within our bracket here. Now, why did you have Brooklyn below Atlanta? I think Brooklyn is going to intentionally tank this year. I think they're going to be very clear about it, very obvious. And if they can unload D'Angelo Russell and the Allen Crab contract along the way. That's just bonuses for them. I think they're just trying to clear the decks for 2019. They'll have a lot of cap space. They're finally undone by the burden of that horrendous 2013 uh, Celtics trade. So I think it's not necessarily that they're going to be bad. I think they're just going to, out of all these kind of teams here at the bottom, be the most upfront about tanking. That's a good point. I had them ranked well, a little bit higher than you did, and maybe this Jimmy Butler trade helps my case out. But I personally think, yeah, they're going to tank. I think D'Angelo Russell isn't going to want to tank uh, just because that's what he's done kind of his whole career so far. And they're also in a pretty, uh, pretty weak division. So they, they kind of have a chance to win dumb games against... Our rank 28, the New York Knicks. I don't know, you had Atlanta at 28. And our Vegas odds had Chicago at 28. Again, I had the Knicks really low because Porzingis is out for an unquestionable amount of time and they might potentially hold him for games. You had Atlanta up here. I think you might have a little more Trey Young belief than I do. Yeah, I mean, that and I have no no faith in the Knicks being able to tank properly. I think the Knicks are also going to be trying to tank, but they're the Knicks, so they still won't do it right, and they'll happen to win enough games to fall out of like a top five lottery pick. So I think they're, they're bad enough that they could be ranked number 28, but they're so bad at being bad, they're actually going to be higher up the list which is why I have Atlanta in that spot. I think they're just going to let Trey Young just kind of, kind of, you know, jack up shots, you know, kind of do this J.R. Smith 
imitation. I, I don't think he's going to learn how to play real basketball. He has nobody to really pass to, so his passing skills are going to kind of plateau. I just don't see a lot. I, I just don't see how Trey Young can grow in this situation. Good point. Um, and he's small. He's a really small guy too, right? Yeah, I'm I'm down to see the lowlights where he goes like zero of eight from three. Um, I think we can both agree though that our Vegas odds of Chicago here at twenty seven and a half is surprisingly low ranking for this team. Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. We both had these guys ranked a lot higher. Um, you know, I think we're we have a little more faith in. Jabari Parker now being on that team. Uh, Larry Markkinen was almost a rookie of the year candidate last year. And Zach Levine's return, you know, maybe that team has zero defense, but at least they have a lot of young offense. That's Wendell Carter. Yeah, Wendell Carter, of course. Uh, the, players, the player's choice for potential best draft career out of this class so uh, i don't know about career i mean he's i think wendell carter is one of the uh guys in this most recent draft class that can at least make an impact kind of like in the first six months whereas i think like other guys like deandre ayton are gonna take a while to like i think deandre ayton has a higher ceiling a lot more potential than wendell carter but i think it'll take him longer to kind of figure it out i think wendell carter could be like chicago's like young zebo like Oh, wow. 15 and 10 place. guy. And, you know, Larry's going to be out on three, so Wendell's just going to snag all those boards, man. Yeah. I'm not I'm not so down. I like, the only way I'm down on Chicago is they have, like, zero defensive players. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, in the regular season, you don't need too much defense, right? I mean... Speaking of teams without defense, uh, 27 on our boards. I had Orlando, you had Phoenix, and Vegas had Phoenix. Does that mean I win the round? Uh, yeah, I think that means that one's a chalk one for you on that one. Now, I had Orlando this low because I don't know who they have as guards, and they've <laughs> historically had a problem with just, like, running plays and having guards. Now, the opposite side of the coin is they have, like, six guys that can fit power forward and center with, like, seven, five wingspans and higher, which is kind of insane to think about. And no one knows how good Bamba's going to be yet on offense. So it could be interesting. Maybe they can get something together, but I don't see how you play with that kind of lock jam big man going on. Yeah, I think Orlando could actually be one of those teams where, you know, it's like block party central. But then it's like, can they score enough to win games? Exactly. You know, I mean, they could probably get some stops, but I don't know. I mean... God, I mean, who, yeah, who runs his offense? I mean, once he got a new coach, and I don't know, new coaches, you know, sometimes he gives you a bump, you know, just a new system, fresh start, you know, you kind of get off to a good start. Like they did last year, Orlando, they, they, you know, after the first month or so, it was like them in Detroit kind of at the top of the East rankings. Uh, but I actually have Phoenix at the number 27 spot. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I mean, Devin Booker, right? He's got this hand problem. You got a lot of young guys in DeAndre Ayton and one of the Bridges. I don't really remember which one. And they had Alex Len. And I guess he brought in Trevor Ariza as your kind of 
but he's he's just like honestly overpaid I think for that. And then you got a new coach, and you're in the West. So I think even though Phoenix is gonna make a push to be a playoff team, I, I don't see how they can knock off thir- you know thirteen other teams <laughs> consistently. Yeah, and that's a big problem with a lot of these lower teams right now is the consistency just isn't there, except for the Kings at being bad. So uh, we'll go to the 26th spot, and this is where I had Brooklyn and you had Orlando, so not too far off, and our Vegas odds had the Knicks at 29.5 wins. Kind of already mentioned both of these teams. I just had a little more faith in Brooklyn than you did. Yeah, and I think Orlando gets a little bit of a bump here just because they're in one of the worst parts of the NBA. Um, You know, there's like in your division, you play everybody four times. And so that division in the South is made up of Charlotte, Washington, Orlando, Miami, and Atlanta. And obviously we have Atlanta already at the bottom of this list. Orlando's going to be at the bottom of this list. And then... uh, you know, Miami, Washington aren't great. And then, you know, Charlotte is kind of like a bubble playoff team. So they might just be able to rack up some wins just by being in this division. Exactly. And then we had 25. I put the Suns and you put the Knicks. And I would have to give the Suns a little bit of a bump just because I didn't, this was before the Devin Booker injury. So I was a little more optimistic about that outlook maybe you're a little more optimistic about Porzingis no I'm just it's it's almost like the complete opposite I I just think the Knicks are too dumb to figure out how to lose games hey Kevin Knox is pretty good to get a good to get a good lottery pick I think they're just gonna they're gonna have this weird like Tim Hardaway Jr. is gonna try to prove a point because obviously there might be a new free agent that comes in and and then in our, our sort of uh, spotlight here is our Vegas odds has Cleveland at this spot at, tw- at 30 and a half wins. So Cleveland obviously being drastically worse without LeBron. Uh, picked up Colin Sexton in free agency. Kevin Love now being their primary offensive talent. Um, I don't see how they're this low. Like, I don't see how they are worse than Orlando or Brooklyn or... Chicago, but uh, what's what what could be this reason? I think people think this team will just collapse like they did in 2010 when LeBron left, and for those four years it was just a nightmare in in Cleveland. I will say though, at least there's some optimism of they still have an All Star. You know, I mean, if they get Minnesota Kevin Love, they have a top 20 player in the league. You got at least a rookie who might be a dark horse for rookie of the year. You at least have some optimism since they won a championship. And, you know, the East is pretty weak. Like, you know, it's not like LeBron when he left in 2010. I mean, LeBron was still in the East. Like, he still had to go through LeBron. But now it's a little bit more wide open. So I think it's kind of odd that Cleveland is this low. Um, but maybe this is just people trying to, maybe this is, you know, kind of tied into Vegas a little bit, you know, get people to buy into Cleveland being bad. And then when they're good, you know, Vegas can make a lot of money. Maybe this is a bit of a bait. 
Speaking of baits, we had Chicago at 24. Both of us did, so that's pretty cool. Vegas has Orlando here. We kind of already mentioned both those teams. Uh, do you have anything else to add on that? Nah. All right, so that kind of uh, rounds out our bottom echelon here. So, so it's pretty much some combination of Sacramento, Atlanta, both New York teams, Orlando, the Suns, and Chicago. Uh, so then next up, we kind of have these fringe playoff teams, you know, maybe competing for an eighth seed, maybe just on the outside looking in. Yeah, teams that we could see them either getting into the playoffs or falling out of it either way. Yeah, a lot of I think there's a good amount of... Uh, this one's kind of obvious to see, I think, generally. It's like uh, these five or six teams pretty much are in the same ballpark for most people. So our number 23 team here, uh, we had uh, pretty different opinions on. I had Charlotte, you had Minnesota, and our Vegas odds has Brooklyn here. So my argument for Charlotte is, you know, Kemba's fantastic. We got that <laughs> understood. We got Tony Parker now. That's great. Uh, we still have... You know, Nick Batum coming off an injury. Uh, no more Dwight Howard. Just a team that has never really been able to put all of the pieces together. You know, we see one piece here, one piece there, and like no supporting cast. There isn't a lot of hope of getting new talent on this team or getting some trades to go through. Um, Draft-wise, okay, Malik Monk's pretty cool from last year, but... We don't seem to like to play our draft picks at all, so I'm a little low on Charlotte. Yeah, I think this is one of our most contentious points because you have Charlotte here at the number 23 spot. I have them significantly higher, like almost, I think, 10 spots higher. So I'm way more sold on Charlotte than you are. At the number 23 spot, I have Minnesota. I just think there's too many chemistry problems. This team is... You know, the Dallas Cowboys of basketball, we're just kind of waiting for, you know, the accident. We're waiting for this team to fall off the rails. We're waiting for the fallout between Jimmy Butler, Cat, Andrew Wiggins, Tibbs to reach its fruition. You know, I'm kind of waiting on this Derek Rose, Luol Dang, Joe Kim Noah, Todd Gibson experiment to run its course. You know, they've got just... You know, on paper, this team is should be ranked higher, but I think this is one of those um, kind of teams putting up like a bit of a, a bit of a facade in terms of what they actually are and whether or not they can actually play good basketball together. So I, I have Minnesota down here at the number twenty three spot. So I know last year they made the eighth seed in the West on that playing game. So for them to drop down to number twenty three is a pretty significant drop. It's also, you know, with this Jimmy Butler news, this is a very realistic possibility now. Uh, so, so next up, uh, 22, uh, we have another contentious point. I have Cleveland, and you have our Dallas Mavericks there. I pick Cleveland up here just because they do have some uh, kind of pieces left over from LeBron. You know, I'm actually pretty all in on Colin Sexton as a player. I really like what I've seen from him. 
but they've just got too many other teams to go through um, to really want to compete, and there's going to be more eyes on them than I think they want at the same time. You know, people have game planned for the Cavs uh, 12 players for a long time now. You've got Dallas up here, so why is that? Yeah, I've got the Mavs. I think they're going to run into the same problems, kind of Phoenix. Of We have a lot of good young talent, but we don't have enough to compete for those Western spots. It's going to be really tight. You know, Dallas is going to play San Antonio and Houston and New Orleans a lot, and Oklahoma City, I think. So they're going to play those teams a lot. And I'm not sure I'm ready to rely on a Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic backcourt. I think... Doncic might hit a bit of a rookie wall. He might not. He might actually be transcendent, in which case that would be amazing to watch. The thing is, something going to be one of the more fun teams to watch, just kind of like on an average game. You know, you kind of got this old Dirk, young Doncic. You got Dennis Smith. You got Harrison Barnes kind of doing Harrison Barnes stuff, I guess. I mean... You got DeAndre Jordan for lobs. Yeah, and you still got, you know, Rick Carlisle, who's a, who's a pretty good coach championship winning coach uh, and Mark Cuban, who's willing to make a trade or, you know, make some moves or, you know, be, be a bit bold. So I think the intention for Dallas is definitely to make the playoffs, whether or not they accomplish that. I, I don't think so. I, I think there's the West is just too stacked against them. I think if they were in the East, I would have them ranked a lot higher, but I just don't see them winning that many games. And this is, we've got these guys kind of flip-flopped on ours, so we'll get to those shortly. Um, but at the 21 spot and 20 spot, we lined up almost perfect. Um, we had Detroit at 21 and the Clippers at 20, which is kind of uh, ironic considering this Blake Griffin trade that happened at the end of last year. It's like neither team really changed a whole lot in the rankings, and they're right next to each other somehow. Um, so very interesting, I think... Out of all the kind of middle-of-the-road picks, the Clippers in Detroit always end up side-by-side side on everybody's sort of rankings. So uh, two teams I'm very not going to watch any of. I might watch a Clippers <laughs> game or two just because I, I have Clippers stuff still. But, uh, you know, who wants to watch that stuff? Like, what are, what are you I mean, excited if they, about? If they get Jimmy. If they get Jimmy Butler, I mean... I I don't know what the Clippers like game plan is, right? I mean, they are definitely in the mix for that kind of 2019 free agency class of we can actually get one of these guys. So it's like, you know, should they you know, really, you know, should they be kind of making aggressive moves? Who knows? They do have Jerry West who's their general manager. That's a pretty good general manager to have and I I would assume he's got some you know, some tricks, some stuff he's kind of lining up, you know, on the chessboard. Detroit's got Dwayne Casey coming in. You know, maybe that kind of gives them a bit of a city foundation. But you got Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. And technically Josh Smith on the books. And the, who's our point guard in Detroit? Reggie Jackson, right? Coming off an injury. Yeah, so I don't know. That's... I think Detroit could be sneaky better than what we expect, but I don't, I don't catch how the Clippers are that good. I don't see I how they win games. Just, yeah, I think a lot of it just depends on Blake Griffin's health. I mean, he's had a lot of problems these last four years now. 
He's still a star, though, so you can't you can't deny that from either team, really. Yeah, he's he's you know kind of Detroit's a bit similar to Cleveland, right? You got kind of Blake Griffin, and then you got Kevin Love, and it's like can either guy who's you know basically the only guy in their respective teams be the guy to kind of pull this team up by the bootstraps and you know put them in like the seven eight spot in the East. So number 19 on our lists, we've got, uh, I have Miami and you have Washington. Um, pretty interesting here. Uh, this is obviously before the Dwayne Wade decision. Um, I have Miami this low, and I'd, I'd probably rank them a little bit higher with Dwayne Wade just because you know he's going to win you a playoff game or two if the time comes. Um, but we haven't really seen a lot of interesting rookie picks draft decisions from miami recently um justice winslow really hasn't taken off like everyone expected tyler johnson hasn't really jumped a whole lot from last year of course Deion waiters is coming off an injury Whiteside kind of regressed a little bit so i didn't see a ton of change there and that's why i kind of left him in the same spot i had him last year yeah, I have Washington at the number 19 spot. I think this team has a lot of those similar problems to Minnesota. Maybe not quite as bad, but it just seems like a weird mix of personalities of Dwight Howard, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and Kelly Oubre. And then I don't know if Scott Brooks is a good coach. You know, the evidence kind of, like the evidence says no. But you kind of have this like gut feeling that he is, because I guess he hasn't been fired yet, so he is a good coach. But I have Washington pretty low. I think, I think this is kind of the end of 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 the run for Washington, and they're going to make some moves on that team. So by this metric, you have them out of the playoffs. Uh, correct. I have them out of the. East playoffs, or maybe maybe sneaking in at the number eight. Uh, I'd have to do a quick count, but they're they're basically right there on on the edge, I think. All right. Well, speaking of sneaking into the playoffs, uh, number eighteen, I have the Mavericks, and you have the Cavaliers. And of course, I picked Dallas on this one because I am all in on our boy Luca and DSJ and. DeAndre, like there's going to be some Lob City going on there. You know, it's the first time Rick Carlisle's had like a really good center and good perimeter players together. Um, so, so I'm excited. It's a team I'm definitely going to watch a lot of. Uh, and maybe, maybe, you know, they probably don't make the playoffs, but I think they're like number nine or 10 at, at the worst. Yeah, I have Cleveland at the 18th spot, mostly because of Kevin Love and Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue is a bit underrated as a coach that can make adjustments on the fly. So if something's going wrong, he will, you know, at least try to come up with a new plan. So if, you know, the Cavs go on like a West Coast road trip and they're, you know, let's say they got like a seven game road trip and they're, you know, 0 for 3 in the first three games, I think Ty Lue will start making some um starting five kind of changes. Like, I think opening night, he's probably going to go with George Hill, but we could quickly see Colin Sexton moving into that role, you know, moving J.R. Smith around. I, I could see him making some moves to to allow Cleveland a claw into the playoffs. 
And then our sort of last fringe playoff team here, we actually both agree on, and that it would be the Memphis Grizzlies. So, of course, Mike Conley, uh, Marcus Gasol, coming back from some pretty nasty injury-ridden years. Got a lot of sort of interesting wing players. Triple J Jackson coming in at your power forward spot. Surprisingly good, according to my 2K analysis. Um, so I'm kind of sneaky more up on this team than I was when I made this list. Um, but I, you know, we're still not sold on how they kind of close out a playoff game. Uh, if these guys are actually okay coming back from injuries, uh, they have a little bit of like a three-pointer problem. Uh, maybe Mark's their best three-point shooter, which is kind of weird. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to rebound from last year i mean if nothing else they're at least going to improve in the win column i think and i think triple j is a nice compliment to their style i think he can also kind of stretch it out a little bit probably not as well as marcus all but you kind of have this interesting like either guy could play the four or five kind of swap in and out and then mike conley is a you know pretty good defensive guard who can who can drive an offense at least i miss i miss watching mike conley i feel like i haven't seen him in a long time all right, so number sort of 16 begins our, I guess, what would be our ultimate eighth seed if if we were doing like a 1 to 16 seeding in the playoffs sort of deal. So uh, this number 16 spot, I have Minnesota and you have Denver, which is kind of funny because that was the playing game last year. <laughs> of course, my metric here would be changed with the Jimmy Butler news um, at I, you know, I'm still kind of up on that team just because I'm a I'm a Jimmy Butler fan gay. I really like him. I think Towns might finally figure out that he has to kind of play in the post at all if he wants to really earn that max money. And I was kind of expecting Wiggins to come out the door somehow, but they signed him to a way huge deal. And I really love the Timber Bulls idea, but that's not going to happen anymore. So why don't you talk about Denver? <laughs> I like Denver, and I want to put them higher. I just can't make the math work out when their best player is like a seven foot two center with like an old man game and like an old man running style. Yes, what you mean? I have I have Denver way higher, and that's my probably my most uh, outlier team when it comes to everyone else's rankings. Are you on the Michael Porter Jr. Uh... Train. I'm a, I'm a Jokic. I'm a Yoker. Speaking of uh, <laughs> Yokes, uh, our our win shares has Miami at this rank with 41 and a half wins, which is uh, not unreasonable. So yeah, like that 50 50 spot. That's it's pretty reasonable. Speaking of Miami, uh, you had Miami at the 15 spot, and I had the Wizards at the 15 spot. Uh, yeah, we had it at the complete opposite. Because at 19, you had Miami, and I had Washington, and now yeah. we got to flip the other way. Exactly. So I got the Wizards this high because I think uh, throwing the magical chemistry wrench of Dwight Howard into an already <laughs> screwed up sinking ship might just plug all the holes. But I still think yes. that it's a couple years too late for all those players. I, I see you're thinking of the glacier effect that happened with the Titanic, yes? The uh, the glacier that filled the holes on you that ship. You might be Rose, but more often than not, you're probably going to be Jack. But if you're Rose, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I have more faith in Eric Spolstra, uh as a coach. He's done really well with Miami. 
despite not really having any all-stars and Miami kind of losing that luster of a destination city, right? They lost out on Gordon Hayward. They haven't really been able to attract free agents. Uh, obviously, their best player in franchise history is back, but you know he's not going to really play more than 65 games. Uh, Drogic, who's probably another one of their better players, he's getting up there in age, and he's losing his athleticism. So you got this team that kind of relies on athleticism that doesn't really have it. But I do think Justice Winslow has a bit of a breakthrough season. I think this is when we finally see the uh, uh, fruition of the fact that he was like the number 10 uh, draft pick a few years ago. Maybe the Hassan Whiteside nightmare ends. Maybe Pat Riley can make a move here or two and Miami takes that kind of uh, six seven eight spot in the east like i said it's pretty wide open especially if you're not truly trying to win the eastern conference crown and i think you know miami they 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 at least focus on health and fitness and stuff and that's always gonna bode well well going going more into our east rankings here uh 14 You'll you'll notice that I put Milwaukee down at fourteen, and you have Charlotte up this high, which yes. is surprisingly high. It is not. You have Milwaukee surprisingly low. Yeah, I do. So so my reasoning for this is, uh, their guard play still needs some work, and I haven't been shown that their kind of free agency decisions and their coaching is even worthwhile because it seemed a little too easy to shut down sort of what I think maybe a year ago we would have considered a pretty stacked team of, you know, Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis kind of in the playoffs. And maybe this is Middleton's breakout year. Like that's a kind of a new hot take going around. This is Middleton's year to sort of earn his money. Um, I'm kind of up on Milton myself, but I'm not seeing... I mean, Giannis has been in the weight room. That's crazy. I haven't seen a workout video of him draining step-back threes all over the place. And I haven't seen... Yeah, I'm, I'm not so certain about their play call. It's kind of just like, give the ball to Giannis and hope he wins. And I'm not a fan of that, especially in the playoffs. But you obviously think otherwise. Yeah, I have Charlotte. I am so hype on Charlotte right now. It's unreal. Between Tony Parker, the new coach, and Kemba losing Dwight, I mean, these are all just good things, you know, just checking the boxes of you're bringing in a vet who's got championship experience. You got Kemba who, you know, is trying to make a statement of I belong in that, you know, conversation of elite, you know, kind of. He's obviously the franchise guy. Sounds like he wants to stay. You know he's going to get uh some some you know marketing kind of thrown at him from the Knicks. You know, the Knicks are gonna try to court him. You know, they're gonna try and pull him away. So Charlotte's gonna have to make a move to try and keep him or at least show that they're in it to win it. I think Charlotte is a, a pretty good team in the East. I have them kind of in that third tier in the East where they're not probably gonna make the Houston Conference Finals. Probably not going to make the second round, but I have them as a lock to at least make the playoffs. And with more locks of the playoffs, uh, 
we have at our next spot number 13 i have toronto and you have indiana so my reasoning for toronto being at 13 is i am very convinced that Kawhi will not play games of course this was made a little while ago before we heard a lot of good news out of danny green and Kawhi over there uh, i'm convinced that they aren't going to play you know more than 60 games each maybe if they you know maybe they're one of those kind of dark horse teams like okay they're good, but they aren't going to try hard in the regular season. At the same time, though, they've gotten a new coach. Obviously lost a lot of that chemistry with DeRozan gone and kind of their fan base is at an all-time distrust level. But there's still excitement there with franchise exchange of players. We'll see. I just, I'm just not in. I need to see it to believe it. Is where I'm really at with them. Yeah, I have Indiana at the 13th spot. I think last year was probably the the peak kind of Indiana season. I think that's the best Indiana we're gonna see. Was Oladipo? I mean, just looking fantastic. You know, offense, defense. You know, kind of doing a little bit of everything and really driving this team. But, you know, this team kind of suffers from the fact that they don't really have any stars or any real, you know, attractive kind of players, right? I mean, Bad Young, uh, Tyreek Evans, you know, these aren't names that are going to jump out at you and make you want to, you know, watch Indiana. I think they'll be a pretty solid team. I just don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. And our win metric has Minnesota at this ranking, which, of course, is probably wrong now. Um, so at our next two spots, we have these interchanged, which is kind of funny because they were the probably the most uh, interchangeable teams in the West last year. And maybe the most surprising playoff series. That is uh, the Pelicans and the Trailblazers. Uh, so I have Pelicans below the Blazers right now. And that is mostly due to uh, Boogie not being there on on uh, Pelicans anymore. And I think Portland's really going to try to win games in the regular season, whereas I think the Pelicans are a little more okay with not winning every game and just knowing how to win playoff series. Because um, that's kind of been Portland's problem is they kind of need that home court because they aren't really, I haven't written them down as like a consistent team. It just, it seemed way too easy last year to kind of screw them over. Um, and they haven't really upgraded that much. But they're still like a Western can shoot the lights out with the best team. So there's still some optimism there for me. That's why I have them higher. Yeah, I think New Orleans is going to be pretty fine. They have kind of their boogie replacement in Julius Randle. Got their Rondo replacement with, um... oh, man, now I'm blanking. Who did they pick up at the guard? Uh, Alfred Payton, right? Yes. Yeah, so I think they're going to still be pretty good in the regular season. They got that up and down. I think Anthony Davis is going to put on a show, make a case for MVP. I think the problem is around April – 
his body's going to give out because of the wear and tear of trying to be an MVP player slash defensive player of the year. And that doesn't bode well for New Orleans kind of going into the playoffs. So this is, so that's kind of why I have them a bit lower than probably what they should be. Um, and then I have Portland ranked, you know, maybe like they'll end up a game behind New Orleans. I think this is kind of the last run for Portland. Uh, you know, they've, they've lost quite a few players this offseason in Shabazz Napier Pat Connaughton, Ed Davis, and I think if you lose too much of those kind of role players, bench guys, you know, that kind of second rotation, you're going to lose some of these games. Um, Because sometimes in the West, you know, when you're down by 12 points, your second unit can cut it down to maybe four or five points. And then your first unit can come back in and reclaim the game. And if you don't have a strong second unit, you're not going to be able to make those comebacks. My one problem with what you said is what team is Seth Curry on? What uh, what team is Seth Curry on in February? Okay, you got me there. So speaking of teams in February, uh, the number 10 spot, you have the Lakers, a February team, and I have uh, the Pacers of Indiana. And uh, I am uh, very much sold on Oladipo from last year. I'm a little upset at the offseason for Indiana, not cha- not kind of changing out Darren Collison for someone else. But I am okay with Tyreek Evans and uh, Doug McDermott in those spots. It's almost like you can play like a big guard lineup with like Tyreek and Oladipo, which seems kind of crazy to me. Um, but losing yeah, but... Sabonis is kind of a knock against them, which is why I don't have them higher. I guess. Like, isn't that a weird backcourt, though? Like, Oladipo, Tyreek Evans? Like, who's playing defense? Oladipo? Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to ask him to carry your offense, too? For the second straight year? But Tyreek can playmake, so Oladipo doesn't have to. You can I mean, give him off play- call. You have a playmakers, man, the Lakers. I mean, this is just a team ready to go. Meme team, meme squad... All these playmakers, all this young core. You got LeBron. You got these old one and done. You know, kind of one year players. Is you, this going to be the most fun team to watch? I I have them ranked higher than you, and I think we're basically in the ballpark though of this like five seed mark for the Lakers. Yeah, but I'm being sarcastic about them being interesting and good. Oh yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is why I have them ranked at the number ten spot. I legit have them ranked higher just because uh, I'm tired of getting burned on LeBron not delivering. And I think there's a reasonable amount of chance that this lineup changes at some time in the future. That's true. I could, I could easily see that happening too. And in which case, I mean, if Kawhi or Jimmy Butler, hell, even if Clay Thompson's on this damn team, like this team's going to jump up so many spots. So at the number 10 ranking, our win shares has Denver at 47.5, which is, uh, you know, if you cut the difference between our two scores, that makes pretty good sense. So uh, let's just uh, hop, skip, and jump over to number 9. Uh, we got some Western teams here. I've got the Spurs, and you have the Jazz. And so I have the Spurs up here um, mostly because... Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth is going to carry this team so hard. I am sold on him, and uh, all of their like new acquires 
You know, Powell's obviously got to be out this year. Like, this has got to be like last year or two for Powell. Maybe LMA. You know, he's got to be out sometime soon too. But you got you got all this fresh blood now, like uh, and you got Pop potentially also on his last year. Like they're gonna try and go out winning. Yeah, uh, my argument for Utah is similar to Indiana. You know, this team might have peaked when they you know beat OKC, and then they got to kind of that second round against Houston. A lot of it obviously relies on Rudy Gobert, who. You know, despite only playing like two thirds of the season, still won Defensive Player of the Year. So that's scary. Like, what if this guy plays seventy games? I mean, that's going to be crazy. And then you got year two of Donovan Mitchell, and then you got what might be the most interesting uh, guy on the team, Joe Ingles, right? Who's like this guy barely looks like a basketball player, and then he's like. The sneaky best player on the court sometimes. Yeah, he uh, actually is better than Paul George half the time. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. So weird. So at this spot, uh, Indiana was tied with Denver at 47 and a half wins, which uh reasonable on my metric, not so much on yours. Uh, so anyways, uh, then going up the chain at number eight, we've got future king and heir, the Lakers in Philly. And I actually matched up with the Vegas on this one at 48 and a half wins Lakers. And uh kind of already mentioned it, but uh, you know, I'm just tired of trying to rule LeBron out. It seems like anytime I try and say, oh, this is gonna be the year where he doesn't win, he somehow is like number four seed and is like contending. So I just just tired of of falling into that logic trap. Yeah, I mean I think the Lakers are gonna win fifty-three games. And they're only going to be the 10th best team in the league. So I think it's going to be really tight up there in the Western Conference. Um, I've got Philly at the spot. Last year, Philly got lucky by having Embiid play a lot of games and staying really healthy. I don't know if we can expect that in round two, you know, in in another year, Uh, as well as... One of the interesting things about Philly was they picked up Bellinelli and Ilyasova around All-Star break, and that gave them a really good bump when they went, like, what, 15-0, and 16-0 when Embiid went down and Simmons kind of carried that team at the end of the season. And we saw, like, God-level God Simmons. I don't know if the, you know, if it's going to break kind of in, in, in that kind of way again, you know, you know, where everything kind of broke in the right way for Philly last year, it kind of might break in the wrong way for them this year. That's why I have them at the eight spot. It's, it's all about the health. Good point. I'm, I'm more up on Philly than you are. Uh, however, our number seven spot here is one of, I think our highest rated, uh, inches picks. That is, I have the Nuggets, and you have the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this one is uh, with you picking Denver and me, Milwaukee, this is kind of like our overhyped kind of let's jump on this bandwagon kind of like complete overreaction kind of pick. Now, if you had told me last year, I probably would have said the Bucks too, but uh, after that playoff collapse, I'm just not having it. So I'm on the Nuggets train now with fucking Jamal Murray, Jokic, uh, Michael Porter, you know, all sorts of just like 
screw you to modern like NBA conventional playmaking. We're going to have our center run all of our plays and we're going to play at a high altitude and screw everybody's lungs up and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think this year Giannis makes yet another leap into being just an absolute kingmaker on the court. And I think having having uh, Budenholzer as a coach is going to help that team just kind of learn good defensive habits and run an efficient offense as well as incorporate the three, which was kind of something they were missing, was that outside shooting, which really meant that when it came into the playoffs and they were playing Boston, it clogged the lanes for Giannis to do his thing. And then he couldn't really, I mean, he still murdered Boston, but, you know, really hear that team, that that team didn't have any ability to shoot from the outside. And so I think they're going to develop that a little bit. And, you know, I think Malcolm Brogdon is going to become the best guard on that team and eventually revolutionize the point guard position in the next two years. That's why Milwaukee ranked as the number 17. And Vegas has Utah tied with the Lakers here, 48 and a half. And uh, speaking of Utah, my number six, I had Utah and you had Toronto. Uh, I'm kind of sold on Utah here. Um, I had a good amount of injury troubles during the regular season last year, which is maybe why they were a little bit lower than they were on the regular season wins, but they were still really high, which is kind of surprising. So I think maybe wins-wise, they'll kind of stay the same, but I think playoff when it comes to playoff time, they're definitely going to be better. And... uh Donovan Mitchell, man, I just can't get enough of him. Like he might be the like my new favorite point guard in the NBA. Yeah, I've Toronto. I like obviously Kawhi being there, but really the Danny Green thing. I think Danny Green is gonna, you know, he fits in that system that Nick Nurse wants to implement, which is uh, more threes and more balance you know actually having an offense and a defense and Danny Green is an obvious 3 and D kind of guy so I think that's going to help them and then obviously Kawhi you know if he's you know 50% of what he was in 2017 I mean they're going to you know completely eat up a lot of these Eastern Conference teams like your Atlantas and your Orlandos and your Knicks and Nets and you know you can just start chomping up and suddenly you've got an extra like 15 wins right just by sheer presence in the east all right so now we've hit our top five which is probably our championship contenders I like to bracket those guys out this is pretty Pretty well established across media in terms of kind of the top four teams in the league. Um, so, so I think we both have just one oddball. Number five, I have the Thunder, and you have the Spurs. Uh, I'm probably more up on the Thunder now than I was when I wrote this, with kind of their trades that had gone on and losing Melo and this, that, and the other. But I am not con- not um, 
not convinced that when it comes to a game seven, having Westbrook jack up 40 plus shots is a way to win a championship. Yeah, I believe in the Spurs double downing on the mid range and just racking up wins in the usual pop way. Made the seven seed last year and won like 48, 47, 48 games. And now, if anything, you've got DeRozan who plays the mid range, compliments. LMA pretty well, you know, if you get a guard in there and, you know, Potal's, you know, he's kind of a, a good, you know, five that you can put into a game and, you know, he kind of give you a bit of a balance. He's not going to dominate or anything, but he can get you rebounds. He can kind of lock up the interior a little bit. I don't actually know what his ISO, you know, D on a guard stats are or anything like that but i suppose i have more faith in the spurs machine which is why i have them at the number five spot very understandable uh vegas has philly here at 54 and a half uh, with a couple other teams uh speaking of philly i have philly at the number four spot and you have houston here i am thoroughly convinced that markel fultz will be getting a good amount of playing time this year it seems like his shot has been thoroughly uh, revamped and ingrained in his muscles. <laughs> I've also been convinced that Ben Simmons will probably take a leap up considering last year was his quote unquote first year. Um, normally his game looked great except for the shooting. So that's really all he has to work on in the off season. Uh, maybe you're right with the concern for Embiid, but uh, maybe they just, stash him away until playoff time and that's still a eastern conference finals threat at the least yeah i have houston at the four spot i just didn't know where to put them they they don't seem to be as good as they were last year i think that title window is closed but they're also significantly better than some of these other teams right like uh milwaukee and utah and the lakers so i have them kind of chalked into this kind of number four team just kind of by default, like, you know, I still got to believe in Chris Paul in the regular season. I think he's going to get worn out, and that doesn't bode well for them going in the playoffs. And then James Harden usually has his problems in the second round in the playoffs. And then Carmelo, you know, he's definitely not going to bring you defense, but, I mean, he could win you a couple of games on those off nights when, you know, maybe Chris Paul needs a rest or James Harden is just not feeling it. And he's still got Capella and P.J. Tucker and Joe Green and Eric Gordon. So you got enough depth going on this team. I just don't think they're as good as they were last year. Um, but there's still a, you know, a Western Conference finalist I could see. Definitely. And Toronto is at a spot of 54.5 for, for wins. Uh, so then number three... Sort of definitely our title contenders. I have Houston here. You have OKC. Uh, Vegas has Houston here. I think we kind of both agree a little bit that Houston's slipped a hair in our rankings. Um, you know, I think losing Ariza is a, a much bigger deal than maybe what sports media likes to suggest. But uh, I'm not, I'm not seeing OKC this high like you were. And, you know, it's only two spots, but that's a big deal when it comes to Western Conference Final versus Championship. 
Oh yeah, I I love this OKC thing. If anything, by the end of this, I might actually talk myself into being having OKC ranked as the number one team. This just has like that like 2011 Chicago Bulls kind of vibe of we've got really good defense, decent depth, and a guy who's just willing to throw it all out on the line in Russell Westbrook. Paul George came back. He's got his money, so he's you know even if he has that kind of fear of injury kind of gone. So I think he's going to play a lot better. I think he can kind of fit with Westbrook a little bit more. We brought in Dennis Schroeder as a backup point guard, probably the best backup point guard in the league now. Uh, Andre Robertson probably come back from injury, and that'll help them out on the defensive side of the ball. Same thing with Nerlens Noel and Jeremy Grant. <clears throat> uh, you know, they just have balance for the first time that I can really remember since like those uh, Enos Cantor, Stephen Adams, Durant days when Tabo Sopalosha when it was like just super lanky, super tall. And so that's kind of why I've talked myself into OKC minimum being the third best team in the league. You know, I, I clearly see a case for OKC definitely and maybe a couple of these last couple teams whereas if something goes wrong up at the top like guys could be the next top dogs pretty easily and then uh could you imagine if okc wins a title like after beating golden city in the western conference like oh, that would be insane right yeah like the whole kevin Durant thing it's just yeah storylines man so that's what it's all about <laughs> and probably the unanimous one and two is boston at two and golden state at one uh, there's really not a whole lot to talk about with these two. Golden State, obviously, returning champs. Boston, uh, returning injuries that clearly was pushing the Cavs to the limit last year. Uh, and it just seems insurmountable that they have the momentum for the for the East. Um, ranked, of course, Golden State at 62.5 and Boston at 57.5 wins. I feel like both of those are kind of low, actually. I feel like... Boston could get above 60 pretty easily. Um, oh, wow, that's interesting. I Yeah, I mean, I think Boston can get... I, I would pencil them in for 66 wins. But I don't think Golden State is going to be above 60 wins. I think Golden State is going to be about 57 to 58 wins. I don't think they're going to... You know, they're going to have some nights off. Like, they're going to have some days where they're going to be like, let's rest Curry, let's rest Durant, let's rest exactly. Draymond, or Draymond gets suspended. And so they're going to drop a couple of games. I think they're still by far the best team in the league. But, you know, I think that Western Conference is going to be pretty tight from, like, the, the one to eight spots. I think, like, Golden State is number one with, like, 58 wins. I, I could see, like a, like, a Memphis at the eighth spot with, like, 49 wins. You know, not exactly a huge spread. But I think Boston's going to run away with the East, at least in the regular season. I think that's the biggest difference. And uh, with that, that kind of covers most of, no, actually not most of, all of our rankings uh, for the NBA here. And in future episodes, of course, we're going to go more in-depth highlighting some of these spotlights of teams and, you know, why these teams are ranked where they are. This was just a sort of a quicker overview. Yeah, and I mean, you know, let us know in the comments and some mail, you know, some mailbag whether or not you agree with our rankings. 
you know, whether or not you think Charlotte should be ranked higher, whether or not you think Golden State should be ranked lower, whether we should even bother ranking the Kings at all. Yeah, should we just cut a team out from the NBA? Like, is it really, do we need Atlanta and Sacramento? Who knows? Uh, but that's a great mailbag question. Uh, and it's also important to note that Golden State might actually get the most ejections in a season with Kevin Durant, Draymond, and Boogie all on the same team. Uh, so we'll keep looking forward to that here at Hard in the Paint Podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. Of course, uh, ways to contact us, uh, you know, email, comments below, all in the description as always. And uh, we will see you all next week for more NBA pre-season, pre-season sports talk.